Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. In order to actually go on this path, you have to develop empathy. In other words, you have to be able to feel other people. You have to be able to feel their pain. You have to be able to feel their joy, uh, their difficulty, and their happiness. You have to be able to get close enough to people so as they go through their existence, you can feel the nature of their existence. If you can't do that, then you're stuck inside yourself. And the only one that you feel is yourself. And what happens is you become incredibly isolated and egocentric. And everything is about you. So, not only is it prescribed in Sufi circles that you feel the joy and pain of others in order to be able to move in the spiritual path you have to be able to feel the joy and pain of others and a good sign that you're not moving forward is that you don't that all you feel is yourself, that all you think about is yourself, that all that you're involved with is yourself. And what that involvement does is perpetuate the illusory nature of existence because it creates a lie that says you're all that's here. And you are the center of everything. Now, in one way, that's absolutely true. But in another way, it's also absolutely false. And to understand that is part of beginning to understand how the nature of things work. Allah created all of existence for each of us. And we have to recognize that. And we have to be grateful to Allah that everything was created for us. He gave us, each of us, breath. He gives us water. He gives us food. And then he sent 124,000 prophets to explain to us the nature of our existence. And when we realize how this was created for us, then we should be overwhelmed with gratitude that this occurred. And when we are overwhelmed with gratitude, we next enter into phases of ecstasy. Because gratitude is not only a feeling that we encounter, 
It's a quality of God. It's a name of God. So when you're overwhelmed by gratitude, you're overwhelmed by Allah. You're overwhelmed by the truth of existence. You're overwhelmed by the essence of existence. And that's how, through the gateway of the qualities, you enter into the truth. And gratitude is one of those gateways. And we need to be able to feel it and touch it and be it. Allah is gratitude. Gratitude is a noun and it's a verb. And we need to be both the noun and the verb. We need to be grateful and we need to become gratitude. It has to become part of our essential being. One of the problems that the world has right now with empathy is that we have selective empathy. And the story of Abraham and his son is an explanation of that. Allah indicated to Abraham uh, to kill his son. And he took him to perform this slaughter. And right at the time it was supposed to occur, with the consent of the son, by the way, Allah came to Abraham and said, sacrifice a ram instead. But understand that the reason I was going to have you do this is because part of the world that comes from your son will say they are the ones of the way and no one else is of the way. They have some kind of special place in this world because they are from your blood. And it's actually happened. The ones from that bloodline now claim that they have some sort of superiority in the way of God because they are related to the friend of God, Ibrahim, whether through Isaac or through Ishmael. So this warning has in fact come into being. And our sheikh called this blood ties. The ties to blood that make you believe that you are somehow separate from everyone else and you are in your own club. And this club of blood is somehow a superior club. And this kind of an understanding is the kind of understanding that actually thwarts the message of religion. It changes it. The message of religion is that we are the children of God and this world is the gift of Allah. And 
every one of us is given a soul. And every one of us is given that breath that comes from the divine. But when we begin to make hierarchical distinctions between different folks, we begin to deny the reality of the truth that God created us all and created us all the same. Now, we come in different sizes, we come in different languages, we come in different colors, we come in different sexes, we come in different religions. But does this make us different? One of the tests in this world is can we see the unity within all of creation and see through all of the differences that man has attempted to differentiate between peoples so that somehow we have clubs we can join that are superior to other clubs. Uh, Our sheikh called this living in the world of praise and blame. We, We associate blame with everyone else. We associate praise with ourself. I call it selective empathy. We decide who we're going to feel for, who we're going to feel with, who we're going to consider worthy of feeling happy about or feeling sorry for. Um, Is it possible that in your life, whether you meet a beggar or a king, your reaction to them is appropriate and similar. You don't get overwhelmed by the authority of the king and you don't push away the poverty of the beggar. Remember that the beggar holds on to his penny with the same fierce grasp that the king holds on to his kingdom. It's just a matter of how much they have to wrap their arms around. And don't, remember, don't forget that Allah expects the same thing from the beggar and the king. Everything. And don't think that it's easier for the beggar to give up his penny than it is for the king to give up his kingdom. And even though they both know that there will come a time when they will have to give it up, they still hold on as if there was no giving it up. In this world, there is the passing of mortal time. In the next world, there is eternal time. While we live in this temporary 
mortal time, if we treat it as if it were the immortal divine time, we are making a huge mistake in our existence. We have to understand that we are in a phase going on to another phase. And in the same way as we have to prepare and be ready for the life in this illusory world, we also have to prepare for and be ready for the life in the eternal world. We need to develop the qualities that we can take with us. Everyone knows the saying, you can't take it with you. Well, you can't take illusion with you. You can't take material things with you. But you can take gratitude with you. You can take kindness with you. You can take love with you. You can take peace with you. You can take the things with you that are not of illusion. And those are the things that will stand by you in the time after this time. So, we have to understand that in the same way that we can accumulate material possessions, elemental possessions, we can also accumulate God's qualities, which are not elemental, and which have no material basis. And this is a good place to become a hoarder, if you're going to become a hoarder. The point is that, in truth, when you begin to accumulate God's qualities, the first thing that you have to do is begin to give them away. And as you give them away, they continue to flow through you. God gives to those who give his qualities away. So, if you walk through the world and hand out love, God will give you love. If you go through the world and hand out compassion, God will give you compassion. If you go through the world and hand out mercy, God will give you mercy. Imagine, if you can, that Allah loves you so much that he will give you his mercy. That he will give you his gratitude. That he will give you his compassion. Likewise, if you carry anger and give anger out, you will be given anger. If you give jealousy out, you will be given jealousy. So, we need to understand that the realm that we deal with is the realm that we will be given. The realm that we give out in this world is the realm 
we will live in in the next world. So if we live in a world of gratitude here, we'll live in a world of gratitude there. But if we live in a world of anger here, we'll live in a world of anger there. So really quite simply, the difference between heaven and hell is the difference in the qualities that you acquire while you're in this world. And if what you acquire is anger, your payment in the next world will be anger. If what you acquire is compassion, your payment in the next world will be compassion. But not only in the next world, in this world too. There are 73 tribes in all of creation, according to some calculations. And it is said that 72 tribes will be judged on the Day of Judgment. But the 73rd tribe will not need judgment because they did an analysis of themselves and did away with the qualities that weren't Allah's and associated themselves with the qualities that are Allah's. So you can live in peace on earth. It's possible. To do it, you have to give up the inclination not to live in peace. And to give up that inclination, you have to give up the joys of illusion. You have to give up the false joys, the small joys, and understand the difference between the great ecstasy and the worldly, imitative ecstasy. And if we cannot do that, we cannot move on. Lust and the fulfillment of lust is a worldly joy, uh, uh, something that is modeled for us as a place to go to. But if that lust becomes our focus, then we miss the truth of God's compassion. Wealth becomes a joy in this world, but it's a false wealth. It's a material wealth. It's an elemental wealth. And the eternal existence is without elements. So if we're tied to elemental needs, when we enter into the non-elemental world, we are not comfortable there. We are not accustomed to that. We need to become accustomed to the non-elemental in this world. And, quite simply, selective empathy is elemental. 
because we separate p- people from us. We separate them by color. We separate them by religion. We separate them by language. We separate them by their customs. We separate them by their rituals. So what we do is we take this deen, this great religion, this great way that is a non-elemental understanding, and we turn it into another illusion, another elemental thing that we can claim is ours. And the great danger here is that we now claim it's ours, and we are working on behalf of the truth, and we are working on behalf of Allah, and we are protecting Allah. We cannot protect Allah. Allah protects us. And once we begin to think that we are protecting Allah, we have supplanted his superiority with our egocentric superiority. And we have to understand these things. We have to understand this way of thinking. And we have to understand constantly that Allahu Ahad, Allahu is one, Allahu is supreme, Allahu is all, and our existence is derivative of his existence. And we only exist because he holds us in place in existence through his will. And we must learn how to become like water and stop opposing his will, but flow with his will. And when that occurs, our life changes. People say they are not happy. Uh, They can't find peace. Why? Because they have set up expectations in this world, and when I say expectations, I really mean demands. They want this to happen, and that to happen, and that to happen, and that to happen. And if it doesn't happen, their equilibrium is thrown off balance. And they're like somebody trying to bounce on a, on a, on a tightrope uh, the entire time of their existence because they're constantly trying to pull these things in to make themselves happy. Can we be happy sitting still saying Allahu Akbar, saying Subhanallah, saying the words in praise of our Lord? Can that bring us peace? Can we find peace in a quiet place? Can we find a quiet place? Or are we so enwrapped in the world that there is no quiet place for us? When we go to meditate, when we go to pray, when we say Allahu Akbar, do we think about the greatness of our Lord Or do we think about how we're doing in school right now? 
Or do we think about our job? Or do we think about the people who are annoying us? And that constant noise of our worldly involvement overwhelms any attempt that we have at trying to pray or trying to meditate. Can we clear ourselves of the world for a few moments a day to give our attention to Allah? The ones involved in ritual and only ritual see ritual as an end in itself. They see the performance of ritual as the cause and the effect. They see it as the whole package. The Sufi sees the ritual as something that needs to be done. But if the internal peace isn't inside of us while the ritual is being performed, then the ritual is without substance. The ritual is a shell to contain our obeisance to God. The ritual is a shell to contain our prostration to Allah. The ritual is a shell to give us a place to escape and a time to escape so that we can, from the inside out, offer our praise. That we can, from the inside, come to that place of peace inside the shell of the ritual. And the ritual is given so that you can practice doing that. There are degrees. Bawa used to describe it as, if you do the external prayers, it's like somebody who goes to work. You get wages for what you do. But if you really want to become elevated, the ones who become the friends of Allah, they don't just do the ritual. They become the meaning of the ritual. They become the meaning of the words that are recited. And they integrate with those words as opposed to just saying those words. So, if we're going to move in our understanding, if we're going to move on our way in this path, when we say Rahman, we need to become Rahman. When we say Rahim, we need to become Rahim. We need to be able to understand the nature of compassion so that it can actually come from us through God's gift to us. We need to understand the nature of God's gifts and we need to accept them. We need to understand the hierarchy of God's gifts and we need to accept them. We need to understand the difference between what's pure and what's not pure. We need to know the difference between halal and haram. We need to understand these things and we need to involve ourselves in what's right. And this is a constant test that never leaves us. Every day 
we are put through the same test. Five times a day, you're given the shell of a ritual. And then the question is, how are you going to fill that shell? What's going to go on inside that ritual? Who are you going to become inside that ritual? And when the ritual is over, who are you after that? And can you maintain what went on or what's supposed to go on inside of that? We have to consider these things. And they have to become the priorities of our existence. Man is lost through the passage of this temporal time except for when he is involved in the contemplation of his Lord by himself and with his companions. We need to truly grasp that understanding. What can we accomplish in this world? Can we build monuments to ourselves? Or can we carry compassion? Can we build, can we have statues built of us? Or can we carry compassion? Birds can't sit and defecate on compassion. But they can certainly sit and defecate on statues. And that's the true value of the statues. We need to understand what's worthy and what's not worthy. And we have to dedicate our life to what is worthy. May Allah give us the insight to be able to see what's worthy. And may he give us the strength to be able to do what's worthy continuously. Amin, amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.